Welcome to the Monterey Podcast. For more information, check out our website at montereychurch.com. Good morning, Monterey. I love that. Thank you. Uh, my name is Hudson. I'm the Connections Minister here. And I think almost to the day, me and my wife, we've been here for about 10 months, which means uh, there are some of you who I really know, and there's still a lot of you who I still don't know. Uh, and so before I say anything else, let me say, uh, I want to get to know you. I think that's the spirit of this church, is that we're an open church, that we're willing to offer relationship. And so if I don't know you, I'll be like right in these front chairs after service. Please come introduce yourself to me. I'd love to get to know you and your family. Today we continue our series on the fruit of the Spirit, but to start out, I want to draw our attention to a story of Jesus and then to a teaching of Jesus. So Barry said last week that Jesus is our example of what it looks like to keep in step with the Spirit. And so I think as we look at Jesus' life and in Jesus' teachings together, I think we're going to have a more accurate understanding of what the fruit of the Spirit of love is and what the fruit of the Spirit of love is not. Luke chapter 4, verse 14 is a good place to start. This is what it says. And Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. Fresh off of Jesus' baptism in the Jordan, fresh off his temptation in the desert, Jesus begins his teaching ministry. Everything that's going to be taught by Jesus in chapter 4 and following, everything that's going to be done by Jesus in chapter 4 and following is led by and empowered by the Holy Spirit, which is something uh, important that we should draw our attention to. The Holy Spirit is active, highly active, in what we're about to read, something worth noting as we are talking about the Holy Spirit. We'll continue. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Holy Spirit, and news about him began to spread throughout the countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone was amazed and praised him. And then he went to Nazareth, the place that he was brought up, his hometown. And on the Sabbath day, as with his custom, he went to the synagogue, and he stood up to read, and the scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him, and unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom from the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he rolled up the scroll, and he gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue are so fastened on him. I think you probably could have heard a pin drop. And then he began to say to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well and were amazed at the gracious words that came from Jesus' lips. And they're asking themselves, isn't this Joseph's son? Like the carpenter's boy? And then he said, truly, surely you're going to quote this proverb to me. Physician, heal yourself. Do here in your hometown what we've heard that you've done in Capernaum. But truly I tell you, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. I assure you that there were many widows in Israel during the time of Elijah when the sky was shut for three and a half years and there's a severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah wasn't sent to any of them but to a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. And there were many in Israel with leprosy during the time of Elisha the prophet, yet not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian. 
And at this, the people lost their minds, right? They became furious when they heard this, and they got up and drove Jesus out of the synagogue, and they drove him out of the town. They took him to the brow of the hill on which the city was built in order to throw him off. But Jesus walked right through the crowd and continued on his way. And this is the start of Jesus' teaching ministry. They love it, and then they hate it, right? And that's kind of the the norm for all of Jesus' teaching ministry. At times, what he's saying is drawing people in for people who have eyes to see and ears to hear. And at times, the things that Jesus is saying, people, they can't comprehend. And they don't like it if they don't have eyes to see and they don't have ears to hear. And this is no different. When Jesus proclaims that the words of Isaiah are being fulfilled on that very day, the people love it. And the reason they love it is because they were an enslaved people under the occupation of Rome, and they wanted to be set free. And surely there were sick, and there was poor and blind among them, and they wanted healing, and they wanted blessing. And knowing this, Jesus says to them, surely you're going to say to me, do here in your hometown what we've heard you've done in Capernaum. Here's how I translate that. Do for us your people, your friends, your neighbors, what you did for them. Bless us. And then I think Jesus gets to his real teaching. He tells these stories about time of great need in the history of Israel and how God blessed not the Jew, but the Gentile. In the time of famine, Elijah provided for a Gentile widow. In the time of Elisha, Naaman the foreigner was healed with leprosy. And what Jesus is highlighting with these two well-known Jewish stories is that the Lord's favor, God's blessing, God's love is not just for the Jews, but it's for the Gentiles. The kingdom that Jesus is inaugurating is a kingdom where the enemies of the Jews would find love, blessing, and belonging. And when the Jews hear this, they revolt because they wanted was love and blessing and belonging for those who were like them, who cared for them, who helped them, but they did not want it for their enemies. And Jesus' teaching exposes the hate they harbored in their hearts. It was hidden hate. And what is implied in Luke chapter 4 is made explicit in Luke chapter 6, when Jesus in his sermon says this, But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, don't withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do unto you. And Jesus could have stopped there, and that would have been hard enough. But Jesus, ever so observant of people gives these observations. He says, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those who lend to you, expecting repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies. Do good to them and lend to them without expecting to get anything back, then your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High because he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. See, we have this exact tendency that Jesus is highlighting. 
to love those who love us. We are reciprocal in nature. You love me, then I love you. And 2,000 years separate us from Jesus, but the nature of love is so largely the same. But not in the kingdom of God. Not by the Spirit of God. Love will look different. Love will be for those who hate us, and it will be for those who we classify as our enemy. And as I look around, I see a lot of love that isn't quite to this standard. We, look at, we love those who like us, who think like us, who act like us, who believe like this, and we call that love. But I think it's love light. It isn't full-grown love. It's not kingdom love. It's not love empowered by the Holy Spirit. This is not fully what God intended. I have three nieces, Afton, Quinn, and Maisie, and they love coming to Nana and Grandpa's house. That's my parents. And I would like to say it's because Nana makes the best homemade chocolate crinkle cookies or because Grandpa gives the best hugs. But I actually think the reason they like coming to Nana and Grandpa's house is because of the fruit trees. Ever since I've been alive, my father has loved fruit trees. There's some fathers who love sports. Uh, there's some fathers who love fishing and hunting. And there's some fathers who love fruit trees. And my father is just the latter. Every house we've ever lived in, he's planted a fruit tree. Currently, I think there's like nine different types of fruit-bearing trees on his property, one of those being a kumquat tree. Without fail, each time my nieces come to Grandpa's house, they open the front door, they walk through it, they give their obligatory hugs to Nana and Grandpa, they walk to the back door, they open the back door, and they go straight to the kumquat tree and begin picking and eating kumquats. So that's a kumquat tree that we're looking at here. And for some reason, if you can't see the 20-foot the kumquat tree on the wall, I also made this wonderful little visual for you. Um, I got this out of Deanne's office on Thursday, and I, I scotch tape kumquats to it. Um, I thought that would be a good visual, but we probably just should look at the screen. Anywho, they go and they begin to eat kumquats. First thing they do when they get there. And my dad will tell them over and over, only pick the ripe kumquats. Don't take the green ones. They're not ready, right? Grab the orange ones. They're sweet. They're ready to eat. Yet over and over, kids being kids, my nieces pick and eat the unripe kumquats. And when they eat the unripe kumquat, they by definition are eating a kumquat, but it isn't fully what it's intended to be. I think we're guilty of claiming the fruit of the spirit of love in our life when we've loved in small ways. Like, I love my small group, I love my Bible class, I love my kids, I love my family. It's a love for people who are like us, who think like us, who live like us, who believe like us. It's a love for people who love us. But we fall short of loving those who hate us, which is the standard that Jesus sets. But the kingdom of God is for them too. The kingdom of God is for those who hate us. And as fellow citizens as the kingdom of God, our enemies deserve love. And if this kingdom reality doesn't penetrate our heart and our minds, our love will always pale in comparison to the fruit of the spirit of love that is exhibited in the life of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus loved his enemies. He practiced what he preached like so many other teachers of the day did not do. He did what he said. And the most extreme example of that is Jesus on the cross 
asking his father to forgive those who crucified him, spit on him, and insulted him. In life's most painful moments, Jesus loved his enemies. In 2018, Kylie and I said yes to fostering two little girls. Their names were Maya and Bernice. We knew them through an inner city ministry. When Maya and Bernice came to live with us, they were five and they were three, and they rocked our worlds. We were thrown into the role of being parents. We, we tried our best to teach and, and care for these little girls, and there were so many things that they did that made it difficult to like them at times. Like throwing crazy fits when we asked them to put on tennis shoes, or screaming curse words at Target, which we did not teach them, and we never went back to because we were too embarrassed. Or they would pee themselves just to get a reaction out of us, which usually worked, at least for me. At times, they were difficult to like, but at times, so am I. If you don't believe me, you can ask my wife. But for the most part, they were easy to love. And they were easy to love because they loved us. And I could tell that they loved us by the way that we'd walk in the door and they would scream, Mr. Hudson, and run and give you a hug. And I could tell that they loved us while they'd beg for us to sit with them on the couch get real close to them as we watch Moana for the 100th time, right? I, I, they were easy to love because of their uh, excitement for the little things in life, like snow and popsicles and bubbles. But fostering just isn't about being connected to kids. It's about being connected to their parents. And the girls' parents are different than me. They had different upbringings, different opportunities, different values, less education, and so much less support. And when we had our first family meeting with the girls' parents, Kylie and I were met with hateful stares, hateful speech, hateful slurs that were thrown at us. That meeting was then followed with profanity-laced social media posts spreading lies about Kylie and my supposed ulterior motives to fostering the girls. It was the first time that I ever felt hated. And I was so angry that anyone could be so rude and hateful to people who were just trying to help. And so I confess that I met hate with hate. I never verbally lashed out against the girls' parents, but I spoke down about them whenever I got the chance to anyone who would listen. I gave them the cold shoulder at visits. I associated them with the scum of the earth because the way they didn't protect the kids in their care. And when I reflect back, on our time fostering, I think we lived into kingdom in the way that we welcomed these little girls into our lives, but I think it was kingdom light because we loved girls who loved us. But I think the call of Christ in our time of fostering was to love the girls' parents, to love those who hated us, who cursed us, who never did anything for us, but to treat them with kindness because that is how Christ has treated us. I think this is what love should look like fully grown. But I claim the unripe fruit of love in my life instead of letting the Spirit of God grow a riper fruit of love in my life, a love that would have blessed my enemies, did good for those who hated me, and prayed for those who mistreated me. I settled for the unripe kumquat when a more amazing fruit was available both to me and to the girl's parents. 
And the sad part is while in the midst of hating the girl's parents, I was patting myself on the back because of the way that we were loving the girls, thinking that we were displaying this great love to the world. But I had hidden hate in my heart. Hear me when I say this. The fruit of the spirit of love is a love that will require joy and peace and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control because it is for those who are difficult. It's intended for our enemies. Barry said this last week. It's not the fruits of the Spirit. It's the fruit of the Spirit, singular. God is developing all these characteristics in us. As we talk about love this morning, I think this is how I might say it. The fruit of the Holy, the fruit of spirit of love, is a love that requires joy when people hurl insults at you and slander you and verbally attack you. It's a love that requires peace to respond with love instead of escalating the conflict with hate. It's a love that requires patience knowing that your enemy's hearts aren't always changed in one action, but sometimes over the course of months and years of loving action. It's a love that requires kindness and goodness to want good things for those who have done you wrong or doing you wrong. It's a love that requires faithfulness, that love would keep being offered even when there are no results or immediate reward, but love would keep coming nonetheless. It's a love that requires gentleness as we deal with those who have treated us harshly. It's a love that requires self-control to keep offering faithful, good love instead of responding out of our hate or out of our ill will or out of our anger. This is the type of love that the Spirit of God wants to cultivate in me and you so that we may be poured out in love to those who are different, that we may be poured out in love to those who are difficult, that we may be poured out in love to those who have insulted us, that we may be poured out in love to those who hate us, that we may be poured out in love to our enemies, that we may be poured out in love to those who do not yet know Jesus, yet who have still been invited into the kingdom of God because of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. A love that comes from the Spirit of God should look like that. And I think we want to live that type of love. I think when we see that type of love, we're floored by it. But I think often what keeps us from living that way is our own hate. In Galatians chapter 5, right before Paul lists the fruits of the Spirit, he lists the acts of the sinful nature. And these, Paul says, are in conflict with each other. Right? It's like oil and water. They can't coexist. And one of the acts of the sinful nature is hatred right? Maybe said, uh, hate trees don't bear love and love trees don't bear hate. If hate, so maybe we need to hear this. If hate is present in our life, the fruit of love won't grow. Eugene Peterson says it this way, before you can love your enemies, you must pray your hatred. If I could flesh that out just a little bit, I would say, before we can love like the Spirit of God longs for us to love in this world, we must acknowledge our own hate. And if I could define hate, I would just say our hate is anything that is withholding good from others. It's exactly what the Jews in Nazareth were doing in Luke chapter 4. Jesus comes and he's He's announcing that the words of Isaiah are being fulfilled on that very day, that blessing is coming, and the Jews wanted healing and blessing and freedom for them, but they did not want it for the Gentiles. 
was withholding. But Jesus walked right through that crowd, and he also walked right through that confining idea of love for some, and instead modeled a love for all people, including his enemies. While Romans 5.10 says this, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. God the Father loved his enemies. Jesus loved his enemies, and so to me it stands to reason that a love that comes from the Holy Spirit will be a love for our enemies. But before we can pour out that type of love into our community or that type of love into every corner of this building, I think we first have to get rid of every ounce of hate in our lives. We have to forgive people. We have to move on. We have to be done with both real and imagined hurts, and I know how hard that can be. We have to be done with them so that we can make way for love to restore right relationship with our enemies. In Ephesians chapter three or chapter two, uh, Paul's talking about how God is reconciling Jew and Gentile together to make one new humanity, one new body. He's bringing enemies together. It's part of his work of reconciliation. It's what we're called to participate in as well. And I believe that not only can the Spirit of God move us past our hate, but the Spirit of God will move us past our hate so that love for our enemies will come to define us here in this place. Will you pray with me? Father, I've been guilty of harboring hate in my life. hate that restricts the goodness that you would have me show unto others. And Father, I I don't think I'm alone. I think, Father, as a church body, we've been guilty of withholding good from our enemies. And so, Holy Spirit, open our eyes and show us where we have lived a lesser love. And Spirit, grow your love for all people in us so we might love the world just as you have. And Father, let us not just do this once so that we can check it off a list, but Father, would you make this the norm of our life, loving enemies for your name and your glory. We pray this through Christ Jesus. Amen. Stand with us. As we sing these songs, we are asking for the Spirit of God to lead us into a deeper love, a love that is for our enemies, a love that is for those who persecute us, and a love for those who are not like us. It's a song of confession and a prayer for a better future for us and for the world. Lord, I come, I confess, bowing here, I find my rest, and without you,